Your brain needs support, and new Ollie Brainy Chews are a delightful way to take care of your cognitive health. Made with scientifically backed ingredients like Thai ginger, L theanine, and caffeine, Brainy Chews support healthy brain function and help you find your focus, stay chill, or get energized. Be kind to your mind and get these nootropic chews at ollie.com. That's O-L-L-Y.com. These statements have not been evaluated by the Food and Drug Administration. This product is not intended to diagnose, treat, cure, or prevent any disease. 412 with Roger Williams, author of my favorite book, Metamorphosis of Prime Intellect. And this is the first episode, episode 412, of what I guess is the New Testament of TPC. Because I have been suspended from YouTube for a second time for having on Dr. Richard Hodkinson, MD, PhD, taught at. Let's uh, let's pull it up real quick. If you can just give me ten seconds, Dr. Roger Hodkinson. He received his general medical degree, his PhD from Cambridge University in the UK, where he was a scholar at Corpus Christi College. Following a residency at the University of British Columbia, he became a Royal College Certified General Pathologist and also a fellow of the College of American Pathologists. He is in good standing with the College of Physicians and Surgeons of Alberta and has been recognized by the Court of Queen's Bench in Alberta as an expert in pathology, and he actually writes the pathology exam for residents, so he is way up there. He came on my podcast yesterday, made it abundantly clear that he is not anti-vax, that he has received every vaccination. He's made it abundantly clear that COVID is a real thing and is killing people. He just expressed as a pathologist that he didn't think lockdowns are effective, that they just can't be until we're at like nanomedicine. And um, that he thinks a large part of this is politicians just kind of doubling down. He said if he watches the vaccine and he sees it works, he said he will cheer from the rooftops and he will he'll, he'll get it and he'll do it and he'll do a press conference. Oh, my God, it works. That episode was taken down by YouTube after about four hours for YouTube does not allow content that spreads medical misinformation that contradicts the World Health Organization or local health authorities medical information about COVID-19, including on methods to prevent, treat or diagnose COVID-19 and means of transmission of COVID-19. You cannot say anything that contradicts the World Health Organization. Now, I would like to make this abundantly clear. The first strike on my podcast was having on Miss Claire Lopez of Lopez LLC, a 20-year veteran of the CIA, who claimed that there was that. yeah, who claimed that there was election fraud. That was episode episode 370. Whether or not there was or was not election fraud, whether or not lockdowns do or do not help prevent the spread of COVID. Whether or not Trump is a reptilian shapeshifter from the planet system Draco. Whether or not Roger's book, Metamorphosis of Prime Intellect, is or is not objectively the best book ever written. It does not matter. You have to be able to discuss it openly and freely. There has to be an open marketplace of ideas. Now, is YouTube a private company? You're damn right they are. And even now, I will stand by that. They are hiding behind Section 230, which I don't think they should be able to do. All of that being said, I got two strikes within a month of each other. If I get a third strike within 90 days of the first strike, my channel is permanently iced. I will now only be uploading 10-second clips of each episode to YouTube. It'll be the opening 10 seconds, 
where you can go find the episode on Rumble and BitChute and Spotify. Because after the first strike, and Roger, I'll let you talk, I know I'm monologuing, but after the first strike, I decided I was only going to upload videos to YouTube that didn't pertain to um, controversial uh, topics such as election fraud. What I found, and I'm now looking at more clearly in hindsight after being banned yesterday, is that because I put the majority of my energy into the YouTube channel, my BitChute account has 59 subscribers, Rumble has 123, YouTube has 3,707. I put the majority of my work into there. I am not uh, unbiased onto where I want to make sure I can upload a video. I want to make sure I keep growing mm -hmm. my biggest platform. By having that bias and desire to want to upload to YouTube, I was subconsciously not simply doing an episode and, hey, if we covered some controversial topics, I just want to upload it to YouTube. I was subconsciously avoiding those topics in general because I didn't want to do an episode, do a three-hour episode, and then kind of spike it, poison the well with a topic like COVID or something. And then all of a sudden not be able to upload a video. I wanted to be able to upload something. Mm -hmm. But now seeing as how I had but no it's idea. A it's a minefield. Well, is, is what it is. The, the first episode I got banned with, I kind of had a feeling it was going to happen. I kind of did. The second one, I uploaded a prelude before. I was like, I think I might get banned for this. But I was pretty certain I wasn't. I thought I was just being dramatic. I got banned for it. So what I'm not going to do is I'm not going to keep trying to dive and dodge and play their game i'm not going to go out in a virtue signal of glory and be like fuck you all and then get permanently get a, a third strike what i'm gonna do is just upload 10 second clips hey guys today is with my favorite author roger williams a returning guest you can find this episode on rumble BitChute, and spotify those links will be in the description sticking to the top comment and that's all that's going to be uploaded to youtube it's 10 second bits because my worry is this these are the same people, the same corporations that told us Iraq had WMDs, okay? These are the same people that told us we needed to torture illiterate farmers in Guantanamo Bay, okay? It starts with banning Alex Jones, Milo Yiannopoulos, and Donald Trump. Sure, if you're on the left, you hate all them, okay, whatever, it's a win, I get it. Sure, I'll, 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 I see that point. It starts with election fraud. It starts with COVID. The next one, I guarantee you, is going to be... Um, I'll put any amount of money on this. It's going to be you can no longer discuss uh, Second Amendment rights. Years down the road, when they have eradicated every conservative channel and every right-leaning voice like myself, there will be no one else to eradicate but the moderate liberals. And this is my prediction. One day... Oh, One day you yeah. won't you won't be able to post videos of police brutality. You will now be contradicting mm -hmm. official law enforcement officers of the United States government. It's you're coming. talking about fascism. It's coming, and yeah, and and fascism is fascism. It doesn't distinguish between the right and the left. It's like you have your preferences as to how the government should work, and I have my preferences as to how the government should work. But when the fascists come along, they have their preferences as to how the government should work, and fuck both of us. And fuck you all. Yeah. <laughs> so, yeah. Yeah. Oh, incidentally, uh, in happier news, I got the shipping. I got the shipping notification this morning that 
that fractal pharaoh shirt is coming my way on a much lighter note roger that's a fantastic shirt you have on there thank you for getting it you guys can pick it up in the merch store which will be online and he's he has a new one coming it's i'll be interested to see that the merch is coming along nicely on a much lighter note and um you know what we we gotta find the positive side in this fuck it you know what the part you know what it's like when a party moves from when they close down the bar and the party moves to the house party we're just going yeah. over to Rumble, guys. We got the Macarenas. We got the tequila. Party's not stopping. We do what we gotta we do. We do what we gotta do, man. Hey, you know what? There's nothing we can do about it, all right? Hey, dude, the party's not stopping, right? We we got a limo. We got a bunch of liquor. We got some bottle rockets. We're just moving over to Rumble. It's not stopping. <laughs> it can't stop. Yeah. And so, uh, whatever. Um, no, it's so, like in that... It, as I as I told you last week, I love this shirt. This is yeah. actually a fabulously, wonderfully Fuck yeah. made shirt. But uh, yeah, I was hoping I would have the other one by this week. But you know, they like I said, I got the shipping notification Saturday morning. So, okay, well, you know, I should have it by next week then if we do, you know, another one. So uh, thank you for your uh, patience with that monologue. But that had been uh, that had been dwelling inside for the past 12 hours and it needed to come out like a burp. It was coming out one way or the other. I could have been talking to the head of Girl Scouts for America and I would have been like, Cindy, hold on a second. These goddamn fucking commie fascists. (laughs) Uh, Mr. Oh, no, I completely I I completely understand. Actually, I agree with you. It's it's like I'm supposed to it's supposed to be on the other side of political spectrum. That's the true terror is that you and I are in the same boat now. <laughs> yeah. I'm, I'm like, no, I, I fucking agree with everything that you just said. It's, it, you it's, know, uh, you know, it, it's, it's terrifying that so much of our discourse is now being channeled through two or three companies that then, you know, whatever their motives may be that's bad enough but then the government can lean on them mm-hmm. so it's it's like what the fuck it, it, you know okay. I, I i saw i saw your notification that said it's like you got banned because of this and it's like what and yeah well all i can say is i'm here and I don't care if you can only upload me to Rumble and the rest of the shit because of uh, YouTube. Hey man, whatever they're hey man, doing, it's the new it's the new counterculture. All right, it's not the Beatles <laughs> with flowers, and it's not spiked hair and chains. It's the new counterculture being for being for free speech. Roger, who has left me, who is right. Hey man, it's this is the new yeah. this is the new counterculture. I'm sorry. I just want to be able to talk. I just I just yeah. want to be able and, to talk. And I want you to be able to talk. Was, so this is this is like very disturbing to me. Mm-hmm. It's listen, man, is it's it's going in a very distinct direction. And I, I just there is no historical precedent where this works out hunky dory. This always ends. No with piles of stripped and skeletal naked bodies. 
that's how it always ends. Every continent, every decade, that's how it ends. Whether it's Vietnam or whether it's Germany, this is how it ends. It always sometimes it yeah, takes a decade. Four, sometimes it takes a four week. or five times. Yeah, but yeah, sure. Yeah, you got a point there. Russia, Siberia, Venezuela, Mexico. It does not matter. You cut down these things. This is where United States, World War Two. We put all the Asian Americans in internment mm-hmm. camps. We're not. We're not any different. Yes. This is where. Oh no, yeah, we're not innocents here ourselves. Not at all. Not even close. Not even close. I mean, you know what? I, I just really jacked me up. It's kind of, you know, a week from today, I'm moving out. I've been at home for five hey. years. Hey. Yeah, I got an apartment. So yeah, I'm super psyched about it. So moving out a week from today, I've been at home for almost five years. Super psyched pretty nervous but it's a good nervous you know but uh definitely wasn't expecting to also have to go to war with like the biggest corporation in the world but you know what (laughs) hey you know it's the way that it's the way the cookie crumbles so but yeah nobody expects the spanish inquisition (laughs) everything changed once the fire nation attacked (laughs) yeah exactly it's or what was that? You know, a nuclear bomb can really mess up your day. Like, listen. Yes. Or as Optimus Prime. Totally. Or as Optimus Prime so eloquently said in Transformers 2, fate rarely calls upon us at a time of our choosing. So I just wanted to sell Area 51 hoodies and yell on camera. <laughs> Apparently that was too much to ask, but I'm still going to do it. Well... I'm here, and that's because I like what you're doing. Thank you, sir. And I got a fan who emailed me asking very intelligent questions. And he said, oh, by the way, I found you, got my book, because I saw you on Tommy's podcast. Fuck yeah. So, I mean, I was like... It's all good. It's all good. Man. We we want the same things, and you know, I hope, I hope. And uh, and and as a, we had the little text uh, discussion lately. It's like, yes, I am actually after nearly twenty years starting right. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Making progress. Yeah, starting to write. It's a complicated thing. But it was 4,000 words or so. And the... I'm eyeballing it and thinking that Topi is going to come in at about 80,000 words. It's going to be a bit longer than Mopi. Um, 
for everybody listening, Mopey is the metamorphosis of prime intellect. It's uh, my favorite work of Rogers. It's my favorite book of all time. It's a it's a fiction sci-fi book on a post-technological singularity world. I first read it in 2016. Read it again last, probably about this time last year, and then emailed Roger. And was like, do you want to come on my show? And Roger and I have become buddies. He has since started uh, progress on Topi, T-O-P-I. Uh, what is it? The trans... Transmigration. Transmigration of prime intellect. So it's part two. So just for all the new listeners, that's what Mopi and Topi are. And and everyone uh, flashes on the transmigration of Tim- Timothy Archer, which is a Philip K. Dick novel. Mm-hmm. Um, but I'm not actually flashing on that. The thing is, the transmigration is the journey between the real world where we live as physical beings and the spiritual world so it's like when you if you if you believe in heaven then when you die the transmigration is what happens when your spirit goes from here to that place and I uh, don't actually uh, literally believe in that Mm -hmm. but uh, the concept is rich Mm -hmm. and uh, the the thing that's different about Topi from Mopi is uh, like almost everything else I've ever written uh, with Mopi I got the the starting scene first mm-hmm. the incredibly transgressive fucked up first chapter and I decided to record it as I saw it rather than trying to like make it publishable Mm -hmm. Um, but the difference is that with Topi I saw the ending first when people started asking me after I after I published Mopi on the web uh, I got Dozens of people asking me, is is there going to be a sequel? Do do you have anything else to say about this? And the muse said, yeah, here's the thing. I actually have the outline for the entire book. And the, the thing that I saw most vividly with Topi is the last chapter and so everything leads up to that and the the thing that caused the pause okay and you gotta remember it took 12 years for me to you know to go from having the idea to writing Moby and I'm also used to the idea now that I don't force it mm-hmm. because in 1994, 
I wrote about a chapter a month. And then one day, uh, no more chapters were forthcoming. I had chapter seven, and I had kind of an idea what had to happen in chapter eight, but the the thing didn't happen where I was, you know, seized by the impulse, sat down and just pounded it out. It just, it didn't happen. Mm-hmm. And so I tried to force it. It's like, okay, you know, it's like, no, we need a, a, we need a final chapter for this thing. And what I wrote was crap. It was terrible. It was, it was, I don't even want to describe how bad it was. It was, you know, um, I didn't understand my own characters well enough to go into their future, project them. Uh, and I tried, I, I basically, like I said, I don't even want to describe. But what happened about a year later? So I've got seven chapters of this book that I know is the best thing I will ever write. Mm-hmm. And it doesn't have an eighth chapter. It doesn't have a finale. A friend of mine who had a an art gallery in Covington. What her is is that a it's a hooded woman with a a snake? Yes, that's exactly what it is. Um, This was published in 1989. And uh, it's a little difficult to process today. But in the early 90s, uh, throughout the 80s, body modification was considered very sketchy do you mean it was do you mean tattoos or like piercings and like subdermal implants yes all of those oh, things. okay so those things were all considered like only things sketchy people would do is like if you showed up for a job interview and you had tattoos there's a good chance you're not going to get hired mm-hmm uh, That's why Travis Barker got tattoos. The drummer for Blink One Eighty Two, he wanted to force him. He wanted to force it so that his only way of succeeding was getting better at drumming. He was like, I don't want to be. Able to be <laughs> he was like, I don't want to be able to bail out and go to some corporate job. He just, just, <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, and and that was the thing. But you know, the thing is, now that strategy wouldn't work because now everybody seems to take it for granted. Uh, I remember the company I've worked for the same company for 35 years. And I remember very vividly, not all that long ago, you showed up with tattoos. They would have been like, what the fuck? Yeah. And what happened to them was they bought uh, a bunch of uh, 
offices along the, the, the West Coast in California, Oregon, Seattle and all. And a lot of those guys, they're tattered up. I mean, that's just like, you know, it, it out there, the culture was different. And believe me, when those guys showed up here in Louisiana, there was some culture shock. <laughs> but, uh, but the thing is, they've come to accept it. Mm-hmm. They've realized it's like, okay, guy here is one of our best sales guys on the West Coast, and he's tatted the fuck up. In fact, he tatted himself with our company logo. Hell yeah. Company and, man. And, and it's like, yeah, it's like, well, he, he, even if he leaves the company, it will still be part of his history. So why not do that? Sure. Now, the funny thing there is, 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 of course, I'm writing this story and I don't do the body modification thing. I have, I have none. I have no piercings. I have no tats. I've thought about it. Mm-hmm. But my generation was very, very, very resistant to that Mm -hmm. but I had to understand it to write the 8th chapter of Mopey because Carolyn lived a hundred years like I have where you just don't do these things but then she lived 600 years as a daredevil Mm -hmm. And what I didn't understand the first time I when when I tried to force myself to write the last chapter was that being thrown back into the Garden of Eden type situation wouldn't erase the six hundred years she's still a daredevil Mm -hmm. she's still uh you know she's not the shy grandma anymore and she never will be again so i you know i've i've been trying to get into the mindset of my characters and the thing about Toby alright was I originally promised to write a sequel to Mopey in 2003 to the corrosion people and so it's like and, and it was because I had had a vision my muse had spoken to me and showed me but this time really the only time that this has only happened to me in my whole life (coughs) she showed me the ending so I know how Topi ends Mm -hmm. but yeah so I wrote a 
an outline, which I still have and I'm working from. But at, uh, you know, I, I, I worked from that in the early aughts after I promised, well, yes, I'm going to write this sequel. And I wrote six chapters. And I got to a point where I couldn't make any more progress. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Because I have a character who becomes uh, more than one human. They merge. It's it, oh, you have to read it to understand. But you know, so you have basically what ends up being four human beings. To become a single character. And they become a superhuman force. And I tried every way I could think of to portray this. And I couldn't because it's everything came out to all. Is it Lucy, the first person? of this and then now everything is well is this a this person thought or a that person thought or something and it's like no I want it to be once these in you know people merge into a single consciousness they are a single consciousness it's a new entity if you yes know. and like mixing colors but, yeah but I couldn't find a way to portray that in you know using the the faulty vehicle of language as we have it until I finally uh, about five years ago I realized that if I portrayed her in the first person if the entire book was written from her viewpoint the first person then I could do it because then it's I had this thought. It's not Lucy had this thought. Was it a Josh thought? Was it a so-and-so thought? Was it a whatever thought? But no, it can be just I had this thought. And I realized that I could make it work that way. But that meant that I had to rewrite the six chapters that I had in the first person instead of the third person as Mopey is written in. Now that wasn't that bad because this character actually does ascend to a godlike persona in the universe. So having this character 
know all of these internal thoughts of various people and all isn't that unbelievable it actually does make sense so it was just more a matter of mechanics to change it from the first person to the third from the third Mm -hmm. person rather to the first person but then so i did this so so this has been like you know 15 years I've been thinking about it and maybe it's like in 2017 or something, somewhere around there. I, uh, I thought of this and I redid it. It's like, I rewrote those chapters and I was thinking, well, this will get me. This is just, this will get it started. This will, you know, jumpstart it, but it didn't. I don't know why. Yes, the muse did not visit. If if I can if I can make a comparison with graphic design, um, the shirt you have on right now, the Bob Lazar Area Fifty One. I was having trouble. I knew I wanted to create it, but I didn't know what it was going to look like. So I knew I wanted Bob Lazar, and I knew I wanted an alien. So I started with that. I didn't know how I was going to go with it first it started as like um old like world war ii blueprints like oss like classified it was kind of like gray not gray almost a little brown manila ish um but it it still didn't feel right i i did jfk with jfk's glasses and the reflection of his glasses had the saucers (laughs) in them and it was like insinuating the real reason jfk was killed because he was going to blow the whistle on ufos and there's all these iterations and you can go back in my photo library just like fractal pharaoh you can go back and you see all these kind of like it's almost like a it's like a chronology of like no not that one not that one and then while i was kind of what you're saying is i don't always know what it's going to look like but i just kind of keep shoveling coal into the furnace and i'm like it's something's going to come out (laughs) and Finally, what always happens, and it happened with Fractal Feral 2, is I get like a sort of like like flash. I mean, like a literal, like in my mind's eye, I see it. And all of a sudden, I just saw that blue. I saw like the polished blueprints. I saw like schematics of like an F-22 Raptor or a nuclear submarine. And all of a sudden, it just hit like a a freight train. I was like, and now I just kind of have to, I fittingly for Bob Lazar, I just have to reverse engineer it. Or like what you saw with Topi, oh. you saw the end. So like I saw what you're wearing. It, I just all of a sudden I saw it, and I was like, oh, now I just got to piece it together. And you just, but it's yeah, a weird. Um, the muse shows up when she wants to. Exactly. She's a and fickle yes. bitch. Oh, very. She is a. She is always on her period. She has never gotten enough sleep. <laughs> but goddamn, she fucks your brains out, and that's why you keep coming back. It's, it's, yeah, no one does it like her. So it's like when I wrote about four thousand new words on Topi on Wednesday, I was like, well. And and and, and you got to remember the the also the reason that I am very very reluctant to force it is that I tried to force it in 1994 mm-hmm. and what I got was crap. Yeah, yeah. So I know 
it's like, no, this is, this is not a thing I can force. I have to wait until it's correct. Well, it's and again, graphic design. I've had ideas yes. that I've tried to force and it's painful, but eventually you learn to just put it down and you're like, I'll come back in six months. And it's really painful because right. you're like, I want it now. But then you make something and you're like, I mean, it's like a, it's like a, that would get a C, you know, you're like, that's not a. And then when you once you do wait, that's when you get the shirt you're wearing. You finish it and you're like, there it is. You're like A plus. You know? Yes. It's and uh, so I have been waiting for close to 20 years. Yeah. I promised people that I would make uh, that I would write this sequel and what happened instead was I read a 200,000 word uh, serial on Reddit but that was the thing that kind of gave me the confidence not really confidence I didn't have any confidence but it was a thing that I had to do and try because I was terrorized I, I, I was terrified that it would suck mm-hmm. and I've written 4,000 new words now and I've read them back and you're feeling it no it's good fuck yeah it's good fuck yeah yeah Yeah, fuck yeah I'm back fuck yeah I'm I'm thinking that the transfiguration of prime intellect may actually be complete by the end of 2021 really because I know the entire story. It's there's true. no, there's no. You just got to color in between the lines. Yes. Got to fill it out. It, it's it will be different from anything I've ever done before because I now now what I'm thinking is that it may run off the lines, <coughs> and and I might have to. <coughs> refactor but I do that all the time that's just like that's that's what I do but it's the no but I have literally tried to start writing on this dozens of times and just my fingers would not move mm-hmm. this time they did and it was natural and it was you know it was and after three hours I looked back at what I did and it was like okay I I think I'm back fuck yeah so so that's where we are with the transmigration of prime intellect Fuck yeah. It's uh, back to being a thing that might actually happen. Yeah. And and I know this. I you know, I've got oh my 
God, my fans. Like, I've disappointed so many people because I told them, well, I have this sequel and in my head, and I have the whole thing. I have the entire story in my head. But telling it is... You know, and and there and, and of course, you know, normal people are just like, just fucking tell the story. It's like, what's your problem? Yeah. It's like my problem is telling it right. You know, um, I <sighs> shit. <laughs> You're uh, a better listener than most people are. <laughs> <laughs> You're good, Roger. So, yeah, uh, I mean, I'm I'm just uh, doing what I can here. You know, I mean, it's like I get it's like, yeah, it's like 2020 it was like, uh, all right. So, I finished the the thing and and all and then 20 the, then the 2020 hell year comes along when everything is shut down with the covid shit and all it's the year that 2020 met up with satan on match.com and they said and, they said let's raw dog each other in public yeah and you know so so it's like all right, we're so we're coming out of that. Yeah. Um, oh, I mean, I don't know. Did you did have you ever seen the twenty twenty match dot com commercial? No. It was. Oh my god! You you. <laughs> shit! <laughs> it is so fucking hilarious. Do you think? Do you think with uh? Do you think with Roger? Oh, Roger just disappeared. Roger, you there? Uh, I think we lost Roger. Um, well, I would try to talk while I text him. <clears throat> it is. We are only going to be on bit shoot and rumble from here forward. Trying to multitask. Trying to multitask. I am texting Roger. Roger, you froze up. Roger, you froze up. Roger, you froze up. I don't want any dead air. Roger, you froze up. Um. Yeah, Roger just vanished. So excuse the technical difficulties. Yeah, I mean, I imagine we're going to have more technical difficulties as we move forward. Um, Rumble and BitChute don't... Uh, they definitely don't have the same, I guess, capacity, uh, infrastructure, cyber infrastructure, um, scaffolding, if you will, of YouTube. I mean, YouTube's a, a powerhouse. It's a trillion-dollar powerhouse. But um, what we do have is what we have. And I can't sit by as I get censored. It's because I just – look, man, you don't have to agree – with my contention that there was fraud in the November 2020 election. Oh, is he back? Uh, he's back. He froze up, Roger. Well, yeah, I was, I was, I was filling the, 
of yeah you sent me a text and i sent you a response it was oh, like okay, yeah okay. you heard okay it's like what the fuck was that yeah it happened it happened yesterday as well i have no idea it's um whatever dude first the first matters of action when i move out is getting that sweet sweet gigabit ethernet Ooh. i got the smallest apartment yeah. i could that cost the least amount of money as i could get just so i could have some because i've already set up i've already set aside x amount of dollars for rent and then i found something that costs less than the amount i've saved so that i can splurge and get some like you know get some you know at the end of terminator 3 when they initiate skynet and the general goes he starts <laughs> uploading it and it's like proceeding sir 70 terabytes a second <laughs> I'm going for that Skynet internet. 70 terabytes a second. I want to be able to send my whole library 11 times a second. Um, so uh, uh, so how many square feet? Uh, uh, I think eight or 900. It's tiny. It's tiny. But you know what? It's, no, but for a single guy, that's, no, that's, that's not I, bad at all. It's what yeah. I got, and I'm going to make the most of it. It's... Um, I'm gonna, I live for several years in 900 square foot half yeah. duplex yeah. in Kenner, uh, Louisiana. So yeah, I'm gonna make do with. I'm definitely, I'm definitely more nervous than I thought I would be. I mean, I lived obviously moved out of my parents' house. I moved out when I was 19 to go to college, and then I moved home when I was 26. So I mean, I lived seven years on my own, but I've been home for five years now, and it's kind of become my norm. And as much as I'm dying to get out. I'm definitely a little nervous because it's like, oh shit, this is kind of all I've known for five years. Yeah, but it's not. But you, li, li, living in the the real world is is not quite the same as being a college student, even when you're uh, paying your own expenses mm -hmm. there. So, yeah, yeah, hey, it's it's, ner <laughs> it's nerve wracking, man. But you know. It's nerve wracking. But you gotta do what you gotta do. Yeah, I'm just gonna push harder. I'm gonna just keep putting out designs on merchandise, and um, yeah, man, I don't know. Definitely nerve wracking, but this is also what I wanted, right? If I if I wanted if I wanted a very safe vanilla life, I would have continued onwards to medical school. I would have gotten MD and I would have done that. Instead, I'm. I'm starting a podcast trying to fight the biggest corporation in the world and probably on every list under the sun as I've had on members from the CIA and Delta Force and Air Force and nuclear bomber pilots and yeah I mean but one thing I always have to remind myself is that and it's such like a cheesy simple quote but no one gets out alive there's no outcome where like everything works out hunky dory like best case scenario is you retire and you make it and you die in your 80s or 90s mm -hmm. but even then you die i mean you know i watched my grandma she, you know she outlived my grandfather by eight years you know her mind was going in the last couple she was still all there but short-term memory was gone and best case scenario, you know, she raised a beautiful family, six kids, retired. They had a wonderful, they raised their grandchildren. Best case scenario, you you still grow old alone in your house. I mean, granted, we were there for her, but 
to me, I look at it as is like I'm not getting out of here alive, so might as well. It's like what the comedian Duncan Trussell says. He's uh, he's one of Joe Rogan's best friends. He's like the he he is the opposite of Joe Rogan. You are my Duncan. I I am Rogan, and you are my Duncan. Polar opposite, but great friends. And Duncan always quotes the Bhagavad Gita, and he talks about how you know this soldier is. He's, he sees the army and he knows he has no chance. It's him versus a thousand. And he takes off his helmet and his armor. He drops his sword and he walks into the woods. And then, like, the god of death appears to him. And he's like, rise to the fight. You're here to die a warrior. You're not surviving regardless. So you can die on the run, hiding in the woods. Or you can die on the battlefield, running at a group of a thousand soldiers. <laughs> just screaming and he's like rise to the fight he was like you're here to do this you've done this there's been an infinite incarnations of this life no one gets out of this so go out a hero and this is all i, sh- I need to stipulate or note this is all subjective heroism for me me going out and building this podcast and forming my own revenue stream that's my own heroism that's not an objective Mm -hmm. like i am a hero no 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 it's for me because that's what terrifies me the most you know it's what ramdas said he goes i went and got my phd primarily out of fear i got into medical school primarily out of fear and what i'm doing fear is very motivating oh it is but it can also ruin you and Mm. i mean what i'm doing right now is terrifying me i'm about to move out on my own making a living off of a podcast that at any time might get censored by companies that have a market value of $2 trillion. I mean, I'm terrified. Yeah. I'm, t- I'm scared shitless. But, yeah, I don't know. I don't know why how I got on that topic, Roger, but if you can't tell, that's what's on my mind. That's what's right under the surface. Probably because it's on your mind. Probably. Yes. It's, yeah, but you know... Seven years ago, this Thursday, my oldest brother committed suicide. And if that version of me could come and in, come into the future and look at me, he'd be like, dude, I would die for your problems. I would die to have the biggest stress in my life be like, I got to move out into my own place so I can build my podcast empire having on guests when I want to talk about what I want as I produce my own merch of crazy pharaohs and sell it on hoodies and make a living doing that. That me just started dating the first girlfriend of my life, just lost a brother to suicide and had just decided he didn't want to go to medical school and had no idea what he wanted to do. Wait, did you mention girlfriend? In 2014, yeah, I had just started dating... Yeah, I dated her for four years. We started dating right before I graduated. Oh. I was in a long-term relationship, but the first person I had fallen in love with, my brother committed suicide, and about two months before he did that, I had sent a letter to the University of Miami Miller School of Medicine and said, uh, thank you, but no thank you. I don't think I, I'm going to go to medical school. I look back at that. That was like flipping. That wasn't just flipping the Monopoly board. That was flipping the board and then lighting a flamethrower as there was an earthquake like that's what i did to my life then like yeah so i guess just put it in perspective but sometimes you have to do that yeah don't you 
that's yeah i mean i've had to do that myself my uh relationship with my parents was uh, well i know my dad is going to watch this i'm just going to say mm, we had problems yeah friction but yeah and in the end life wins I don't know I mean it's like I, I, I thought I had something pithier to say than that but I don't actually um yeah it's you've done really well for someone it's, it's like I know that you've had uh problems that you've been battling and I admire the gusto with which you have come back and uh attacked life as it were that's inspiring to me it's one of the reasons i keep coming back on your podcast because you are an inspiring figure thank you to me that means a lot to me roger thank you it's and there's I, I guess how i look at it is like i don't want life to get the last laugh to me to me if i caved and just started doing drugs or committed suicide to me that's like losing to life so I'm like I'm like fuck you life I'm gonna I'm gonna keep fighting just to spite the universe just to spite the force that can create whole galaxies and black holes I wake up and I'm like middle fingers and crippled with anxiety and depression and I'm like fuck you we're burning it down today yeah, yeah. It, it created us. Yeah. And where the fuck are we? Yeah. Okay. So it's, yeah. And so, yeah. Just, I mean, just. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. And uh, the, it takes strength to get up in the morning and realize that and move forward with that understanding that the universe is fucked my place within it is fucked it's like there is nobody that is going you know it's like God is doesn't you know doesn't just not exist but even if he did exist doesn't give a shit about me and I have to deal with the whole thing on my own. It's kind of yeah. like it's kind of like pushing your kid into the pool, so he has to learn. Yeah. To sw- so he has to learn yeah. to swim. Learn to swim. Room. I feel like if there is a God, that's what God's doing, pushing us in. He's like swim. If and maybe can, so. If it we, may be the kindest thing that he could do, but if that's the case then we are in a truly fucked situation. (laughs) You and I are both toddlers that have been pushed into the deep end. 
Yes. We're like, I guess we're learning a lesson, but I can barely. What the fuck is this? It's yeah. It's hard to do doggy paddles in the deep end with when you're inhaling chlorine water, but still trying to say it's for our own good. We're building character. No one, no one does that, right? It's only in hindsight that you can sit there with a cup of whiskey and go, "We build character." During yeah, we do that when we're yeah yeah. In so, so they push us into the pool when we're six. Yeah, and then when they're when we're sixty, we sit here with a you know glass of wine and say, "Oh yeah, okay." Mom, mom is, and they're, they're, mom and dad were teaching us how to be strong. Mm-hmm. Right? Yeah. Yes. Go to it. Yes. That's what you have to do to kid. Yeah. Yeah. You, you look back at it with rose tinted glass. And then we wonder why our entire civilization is so it's so traumatized. <laughs> you know, I I have a theory though, <laughs> and I was talking to Mitzi this morning about it. Is mm. Obviously, I was never in the military, <clears throat> and this is a, a, an incredible stretch to make, so <laughs> please bear with me. I, I understand the ludicrousness of this stretch, but pledging up a fraternity in fall 2009, it's you, you start with like 30 pledge brothers, you finish with about 10, last three to four months. And you don't know it until afterwards, but it's designed to break you. And there is no way to actually win it. You're 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 never you're never given all the puzzle pieces. You're told to build something, and you don't have all the screws. And the purpose is is not to see who can figure it out. It's the purpose. The purpose is to make you guys bond together in the face of just impossible odds. When you have to, you know, that you have to memorize like the creed of the fraternity, and maybe it's like two paragraphs. And then you memorize it and you get ready and they go write it down on the Sunday testing. And then they tell you you only have 30 seconds. I couldn't, if you, I couldn't, if I practice every day of my life, I couldn't write all two paragraphs in 30 seconds or three paragraphs or whatever it is. Mm. And at the time, I remember thinking, like, you know, think of how obsessed I get with stuff. I was like, I'm going to do it. And even I couldn't do it. And they, you have to do all the shit that no one can do. You, you know, you you can't go pick up every brother from every bar at two in the morning. You physically don't exist in enough places at once. There's not enough time in the day. But they force you to think that they all did it. They're like, we did it. So you're just like, fuck. So one by one, your pledge brothers are dropping. You're always under. You never you never have enough sleep. You're always dehydrated. You can't drink. You're always wearing a stupid fucking tie and pledge clothes, your pledge gear. And... All your friends are partying with girls, and here you are fucking getting hazed at two in the morning with a bunch of drunk brothers throwing mud and dog shit at you and hitting you with paddles. And you're like, what the fuck? And as you get towards the end, and you're in hell week, and it's just you and a couple buddies left, and you guys have bonded together, you're like, when we get in there, we're going to fix pledge shit, because it shouldn't be this impossible. And then you get in there, and all these guys that you thought were your enemies, they start laughing. When you get initiated, and they take the hood off, and they're all sitting around just laughing, and they're like, you made it! And you're like, wait, what? These guys you hate, they come up to you with a beer, and they're like, what's up, fucker? Like, I'm Yeah, glad. you're one of them. And you're like, oh, and you realize, and they're just like laughing. They're like, dude, I was so happy you made it. I didn't want you to quit. And you're like, what? And then, like, 
as you get through, you realize it was designed for you to never win. They told you to build a ladder, but they didn't give you all the pieces. And the purpose wasn't to build the ladder. It was for you and your friends to find a way to still hold it together. Metaphorically, there was no ladder, but to metaphorically do it, right? So when you get on the other side, you don't, don't then go, let's fix pledgeship. Let's give them five minutes to write down the paragraphs. Let's, you know... You, maybe they only have to pick up one brother from the bar. No, because you go, oh, and then you talk to them and they go, yeah, we didn't do all that shit. It's impossible. No one can do that. And you go, oh, the whole thing is designed to fuck you. And you don't fix it because you realize the purpose of the thing is not to be one. It's to get through and you and your buddies, you and your pledge brothers, just like heating up metal to weld it together you make the situation so bad, you add so much pressure that there's nothing else to do but to either quit or to fuse with your pledge brothers. 12 years later, I'm still friends with all of them. So it does work. I mean, they all reached out to me the day they found out my brother died. I mean, they, I'm in contact with them more than I am any other friends. And so I was talking to Mitzi about this. I think that might be the purpose of Earth in the universe. I think it's it's just believable enough to think we can do it you know we're like if we stopped spending all this money on defense and nuclear weapons we could probably feed and clothe everybody and we should try but the reason it seems so futile is i think it's supposed to be futile because i think i think this is like if there is a god this is tough love and when you die I don't know what's on the other side, but I can only imagine it's some form of fraternity or sorority or genderlessness initiation. And you realize, oh, it's supposed to be fucked. <laughs> you know, bacon's supposed to taste good. You're not supposed to want to go to the gym. Hard work doesn't feel good. But it's only through these situations that guys like you and I become friends, right? It's only through YouTube censoring me and taking down my channel that I... I have to dig deep and be like, fuck it, let's keep go let's keep working harder. And this might just be like a Stockholm syndrome rationalization because the reality is is everything's fucked and if I examined it soberly, I would just go insane and kill myself. Maybe this is just myself, my brain protecting me. And it might very well be. But I like to look at it as it's so tough because it's not supposed to be won. You can't win. Well, and that that is actually a, a central theme of Mopi and Topi, that you can't, you know, the, I, I mean, the whole reason everyone goes insane in Mopi is that the there's no way to lose. Yeah. And yeah. the... You know, if there isn't a possibility of losing, then winning doesn't matter. Yeah. No, it's when you, for instance, Just Cause, Just Cause 3, one of my favorite games, you go into this hostile nation, you have to liberate the people. Mm -hmm. The entire thing is you just have to, the, the, the dictator's name is DiRavello, and you have to destroy all of, he's got bases all over his country. And they're, you know, they're comically painted red. And, like, you have to break everything <laughs> that's red. And then when you take over, everything turns blue. 
it's the most like simple minded you just blow up the red stuff red bad blue good and it takes like it takes like a hundred hours to liberate every there's 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 bases and multiple bases make up a a region multiple regions make up provinces and mul- multiple provinces make up i think uh regions if there's i mean there's hundreds and hundreds it takes days to do it. even if you've played the game before it takes days to go through and liberate every goddamn fucking base and as soon as you finish it and you kill all the bad guys and you've liberated the whole country you've unlocked every weapon you've unlocked airdrops so when the game starts you only have a pistol but at the end of the game you can call in an airdrop and like an F-15 lands on the ground next to you and you can get a rocket launcher and a nuclear weapon you become like a god you have all there's something called the Eden Spark it's just a laser and you point it out at the ground and an actual directed energy weapon from orbit <laughs> shoots a beam straight down so like whereas it used to take 10 minutes to destroy an enemy tank now you can point the Eden Spark at a whole you know column of tanks instant <laughs> they just they just vanish you become a god. And when you get to that point, I can only play the game for like another couple hours. Because you've it's done everything. Fun, it? It's not fun. So what do I do? New game. Are you sure? Yes. You will lose all progress. Good. Start a new game. Because that's what's fun, is that you're fucked. <laughs> It's well, and I mean that's the entire premise of my silly little novel, and uh, it's the entire premise of its sequel that I'm working on. Uh, the yeah, I, I, I mean it's I don't know it. The thing about Mopey is that it's hard to see what it's getting at from the viewpoint of a person who is struggling to survive. I get that. That's but once you transcend that state of struggling to survive then it becomes it was obvious the default condition it's yes this is you know but we're not in a, in a, in a place where most people can immediately see that transition and of course the thing about writing the sequel is that it's worse what do you mean everything about it is worse oh you mean like the the universe in the story the way that the human condition fails okay and that 
Aquinas. It's funny because it's not a thing that I wanted to do, but uh, yeah, it's everything about the human condition turns out it fails. Mm-hmm. It turns out to be wrong. It turns everything that you expect about the world turns out to be wrong in this universe. And uh, unlike in the original story, the ending of Topi is the actual end of the universe, the end of the human race, the end of everything. because that's the only place where it can go it is it's the only logical conclusion not logical it's the only believable yeah and and it's not what I wanted to do it's what I had to do what I have to do so Fuck. Well, if you're looking for if you're looking for a happy story not don't, don't no, well, no. I, I mean Mopey wasn't necessarily happy wasn't at all but that's why I like it it's because that's that's how I think it would go yeah there's a component of Mopey that was kind of a howl of rage Um, because I was becoming middle-aged and my body was starting to fail me in ways that no one had put in the instruction manual. So um, but it was something that a young person could also understand. Topi is going to be the howl of rage of an old person, me. And I understand those things now. Life is a cage that you can't escape and eventually um, they duck it under the water and you drown that's just what happens but I can do the best I can which I have it's like I've written some stuff that I'm pretty proud of since then passages curators I still have a couple of episodes of the revelation passage to read to you I know we do Um, yeah I I didn't know how well you would feel today so 
It wasn't last last uh, last week. You like fucking death warmed over. Last week I threw up about thirty seconds after the podcast ended. I felt horrible. This week I'm just angry about censorship. But um, Mm. I I do have I do have my buddy that's coming on here in in fifteen minutes. So Roger, let's wrap this one up. As always, thank you for being here, my man. It's it's good to it's good to know that you're you're going down you're going down with me as we as we're in our little <laughs> Roger and I are Tank Man in Tiananmen Square and we're wearing our Area Fifty One shirts <laughs> as the column of Chinese tanks line up before us Facebook Instagram Twitter YouTube Google and we're sitting there just with a copy of Mopey in one hand. And a fractal pharaoh hoodie in the other, just screaming as the tanks run us over. But you know what? There's no, there's no other way. I'd rather go. I would hate to just witness it, because then you die old, knowing that you didn't, you didn't rise to the fight. And that's worse than death. Sounds like a plan. Fuck yeah, Raj. Maybe we'll squeeze in one more before uh, next weekend. But for now, it looks like for now it looks like for everybody listening, uh, Thursday is the anniversary of my brother's passing. I'm moving out Saturday, which means I'm sure I'll be packing all day Friday, Sunday. I'm sure. Yeah, I'm you're gonna be a busy guy. I think I'm gonna be fucked for like for like 96 hours. But uh, before we know it, we'll be right back at it, and. Uh, just let me know when you're ready. We'll do, buddy. As everything in life that has seemingly fucked me over at first, in hindsight, it always becomes blindingly clear that it was a blessing. I can only imagine that somehow, in some way that I can't understand right now, getting booted from YouTube will somehow turn out to be a blessing. I have no idea how. And again, maybe this is just blind optimism and I'm smoking hopium, but <laughs> I'd rather try to be optimistic than just wallow in defeat. You go, man. Fuck yeah. Thanks, Roger. Much love, brother. Roger Williams, author of my favorite book, Metamorphosis of Prime Intellect, and soon, Transmigration of Prime Intellect, which Roger will finish or we will form a marauding band and we will take him hostage and force him <laughs> to write with cattle prods and hot irons. Like uh, Misery. Yeah. Well, this podcast is thoroughly devolved. <laughs> All right, Roger. I'll see you, my man. Take care, brother. God bless. <laughs>